On the afternoon of November 24th, 1971, a nondescript man calling himself Dan Cooper approached the counter of Northwest Orient Airlines in Portland, Oregon. He used cash to buy a one-way ticket on flight 305 bound for Seattle, Washington. And thus began one of the greatest unsolved mysteries in FBI history. Chilling thrills, unexplained mysteries, and creepy stories that actually occurred. Welcome to Freakier Than Fiction. I'm your host Chad, and each episode, as you know, together we will dive into the world of the unknown. So, if that kind of thing interests you, and you haven't done this already, hit that follow or subscribe button, and that way you won't miss the next freaky episode. As this podcast is intended for mature audiences, discretion is advised. In this episode, we'll be taking a look at the case of D.B. Cooper. The night of November the 24th, 1971, was a typical Pacific Northwest evening. Dark, damp, and chilly. However, what would transpire on Northwest Orient Airlines Flight 305 that night would become the stuff of legends, and the subject of countless books, articles, and movies. Dan Cooper, later known as D.B. Cooper, boarded a plane in Portland, Oregon, and took his seat in the back of the Boeing 727. He was an unremarkable-looking man, in his mid-forties, dressed in a business suit and tie, and carrying a black briefcase. Little did anyone know that this unassuming passenger was about to execute one of the most daring and mysterious heists in American history. Shortly after takeoff from Portland, he handed a note to Florence Schnaffner, one of the flight attendants who was seated nearby. She assumed it was a phone number or a flirtatious message and slipped it into her pocket without reading it. However, Cooper leaned over and whispered to her, Miss, you better take a look at that note. I have a bomb. He then proceeded to open the attaché case which contained numerous wires, red sticks, and a battery. Florence was understandably shaken and read the note, which read, I have a bomb in my briefcase. I will use it if necessary. I want you to sit beside me. She complied with Cooper's demands, and soon the plane was headed for Seattle, where Cooper would soon make an infamous jump. The tension on the plane was palpable, as Cooper instructed Schnaffner to inform the cockpit of his demands. He demanded $200,000 in cash, worth about $1.2 million in the early 21st century, four parachutes and a fuel truck standing by in Seattle to refuel the plane. The FBI was notified and negotiations began. 
The passengers on Northwest Orient Airlines Flight 305 that night must have felt a range of emotions. Fear, confusion, and helplessness among them. They were caught off guard by the sudden announcement that the plane had been hijacked and their lives were in the hands of a man with a bomb. As the plane took off and flew through the skies, the tension would have been palpable and the fear would have only escalated as the hijackers demands became clear. These passengers would have been acutely aware of the danger they were in and likely would have been wondering whether or not they would make it out alive and see their loved ones again. The hijacking lasted for several hours, during which time the passengers and crew would have been wondering what was happening, how long it would last and what the outcome would be. They would have been aware that on the ground, FBI and other law enforcement were involved and that the situation was very serious. After the plane landed in Seattle, the ransom money and parachutes were delivered to the plane and Cooper released most of the passengers and crew, only keeping the pilot, co-pilot and the flight attendant Francine on board with him. As the plane ascended into the night sky, Cooper put on one of the parachutes and strapped the ransom money to his waist. He then calmly lowered the rear stairs of the plane and stepped out into the cold, dark night, disappearing into the wilderness below. The passengers and crew left on board were understandably shaken and described Cooper as calm, cool and collected throughout the whole ordeal. They reported that he was polite, even cordial, and even allowed them to go about their business during the hijacking. The FBI launched one of the largest manhunts in US history to find Cooper, but came up empty-handed. Despite the massive search effort, the money, parachutes, and Cooper's body were never found leading to endless speculation and conspiracy theories about his fate. Here are some of the most popular theories that have been put forward over the years. The first theory is that Cooper was an experienced skydiver. Many believe that he was a skilled skydiver based on the way that he handled himself during the hijacking and his knowledge of aircraft and parachutes. Some have even speculated that he may have been a former military paratrooper or a civilian skydiving instructor. Others believe that D.B. Cooper was a seasoned criminal who had planned the hijacking meticulously and knew exactly how to execute it without being caught. Some have suggested that he may have been a member of a criminal gang or had insider knowledge of the airline industry. There's also the possibility that D.B. Cooper did not survive the jump, given the extreme conditions he faced on the night. The terrain below was rugged and wooded, and he jumped without a helmet, goggles, or any other protective gear. It's also possible that he landed in a remote area and died from exposure or injury, and his body has never been found. There is another theory that Cooper survived the jump and lived the rest of his life in hiding, using his ransom money to fund a new identity and lifestyle. 
Some have suggested that he may have even fled the country or changed his appearance, making it impossible for authorities to track him down. And finally, some believe that the hijacking was an inside job, with the airline or the government complicit in the crime. There have been some allegations of cover-ups and conspiracies, with some claiming that Cooper was actually a CIA agent or the government had orchestrated the hijacking as part of a larger plan. The FBI followed thousands of leads to find Cooper, considering more than 800 suspects in the five years following the incident. These are just some of the men who have been considered to be good suspects. On April the 7th, 1972, a man travelling under a fake name boarded a Newark, Los Angeles flight. Shortly after takeoff, he handed a note to one of the flight attendants. The note demanded $500,000 and four parachutes. If these were not furnished, the man, a seasoned skydiver and helicopter pilot, would bomb the plane. The 727 landed and refueled. The hijacker exchanged passengers for cash and parachutes, and en route to the next destination, he jumped from the rear stairs to freedom. Sound familiar? This hijacking occurred less than five months after the D.B. Cooper incident, leading many to suspect that the same culprit may have been responsible. The perpetrator of this crime? Richard McCoy Jr. He was convicted of air piracy and received a 45-year prison sentence. On August 10, 1974, however, he and some fellow inmates hijacked a garbage truck and escaped their Pennsylvania penitentiary. When the FBI finally tracked McCoy down in Virginia three months later, a shootout left him dead. A more under-the-radar suspect through the years has been Sheridan Peterson, who fell under suspicion within a week of the skyjacking, but wasn't interviewed by the FBI until decades later. Peterson, a former Boeing employee, worked in the department that wrote the flight manual for the Boeing 727 jet that was hijacked. And being familiar with that certain type of plane might explain how the perpetrator knew that the aircraft had backstairs that he could open and jump from. An accomplished skydiver, Peterson worked for a time as a smoke jumper in Montana. He also worked at the Skydive Center in Issaquah in the early 1960s, the same place that would later provide parachutes used by Cooper in his escape. Unlike descriptions of Cooper, however, Peterson has blue eyes, not brown. And while Cooper had chain-smoked on the flight, Peterson is not known to have been a smoker. At the time of the hijacking, Peterson told authorities he was living with his wife and family in Nepal, although he offered no definitive proof that he had travelled back at the time of the hijacking. Back in the 1970s, pilot and former paratrooper Robert Rackstraw had a whole lot going on. Grand theft, $75,000 worth of bad checks, and the possible murder of his stepfather were just a few of the infractions for which authorities nabbed him for. After being acquitted of the murder charge, Rackstraw saw fit to fake his own death in 1978 by lodging a face mayday call from a rented plane in North California. He spent two years in prison for check fraud 
and theft of an aircraft. In the 2016 book The Last Master Outlaw, Thomas J. Colbert and Tom Shalozzi presented evidence gathered during a five-year investigation into Robert Rackstraw's past. They concluded he was the legendary hijacker, a claim that Rackstraw's lawyer called the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Robert Rackstraw died from a heart condition on the 9th of July 2019. The next suspect had a more direct link to Cooper. Kenneth Christensen. He had worked for Northwest, the hijacked airline, as a mechanic, flight attendant and purser. Kenneth's brother Lyle claims that when Kenneth was on his deathbed in 1994, he said, There is something you should know, but I cannot tell you. Kenneth had been a military paratrooper. The year after the D.B. Cooper hijacking, despite being on a modest flight attendant's salary, he bought a house in cash. In what may have been a cunning move, Cooper had taken his ransom note back from the flight attendant, so investigators were unable to examine it. Cooper did leave a few traces behind though, some cigarette butts, a hair on the headrest of his seat, and a clip-on tie which he tore from his collar before hurtling himself from the plane. Unfortunately, the FBI could not get any fingerprints from these items. Though it was initially believed that Cooper was a battle-scarred skydiver, perhaps a paratrooper, further analysis found that he was likely no expert, as no experienced parachutist would have jumped from the pitch-black night into the rain with a 200-mile-an-hour wind in his face, wearing loafers and a trench coat, said FBI Special Agent Larry Carr in 2007. Investigators also thought that Cooper acted alone. If he'd worked with an accomplice, he would have requested a much more specific flight path rather than saying, fly to Mexico and jumping out when visibility was poor. In 1980, a child's discovery reignited interest in the mystery. Eight-year-old Brian Igram was digging in the sand on the banks of Washington's Columbia River when he found a bundle of rotting $20 bills totaling $5,800. When his parents contacted the police, they learned that the serial numbers on the cash matched those from the stash given to D.B. Cooper. Aside from the few items left behind on the plane, this is the only material evidence found from the hijacking. Six years after he discovered the money, Brian was allowed to keep $2,760 of it. In 2008, he sold 15 of the fragmented $20 bills at auction for $37,433.38. In the wake of the hijacking, the Federal Aviation Administration ordered that Cooper Vanes, named after the elusive D.B. Cooper, must be installed on all Boeing 727 aircraft. A Cooper vane is a small latch fitted to the outside of all planes with rear stairs. This latch prevents anyone from opening the door mid-flight just as D.B. Cooper did as he leapt into the air and vanished into obscurity. In recent years, advancements in DNA technology have led to renewed interest in the case. In 2016, the FBI announced that it had a new lead in the case, 
and was testing evidence for fingerprints and DNA. While the results of these tests have not been released to the public yet, it is hoped that they will shed new light on the case and potentially the identity of the elusive D.B. Cooper once and for all. Despite the passage of time, the story of D.B. Cooper remains one of the most captivating and intriguing unsolved mysteries in American history. It has spawned countless books, documentaries and even a feature film cementing Cooper's place in the annuals of American folklore. The case of D.B. Cooper remains one of the most captivating and intriguing unsolved mysteries in American history, as on a rainy night in 1971, a man hijacked a Northwest Orient Airlines plane and demanded $200,000 in cash before jumping out of the plane with a parachute and disappearing into the night, possibly forever. Despite the massive FBI investigation and countless theories and speculations, the identity and fate of the infamous hijacker remains unknown to this day. From the daring hijacking to the extensive investigation that followed, the D.B. Cooper case has captivated the public's imagination for over five decades. The passengers on the plane that night experienced a range of emotions from fear and anxiety to confusion and disbelief. The FBI conducted one of its most exhaustive investigations, interviewing witnesses, analysing evidence and following up on thousands of leads, but yet the case remains unsolved leaving behind a legacy of mystery and intrigue. Despite the lack of resolution, the D.B. Cooper case remains a testament to the enduring fascination with unsolved mysteries and the human desire to uncover the truth. The case continues to captivate the public's imagination, inspiring books, movies and documentaries and reminding us of the enduring power of a good mystery. Whether D.B. Cooper was a daring skydiver, a criminal mastermind, or something else entirely, his legacy will continue to intrigue and inspire for generations to come. Thank you so much for listening to the Freakier Than Fiction podcast. If you got something out of today's episode and you haven't done this already, then hit that follow or subscribe button, and that way you won't miss the next freaky installment. And I'd love your feedback as it will really let me know what you think about this episode and others that you may have already heard. So, please take the time to leave a review and give this podcast 5 stars and tell me what you'd like to hear in upcoming episodes. If you want to get in touch, you can find a Linktree account in the description of this episode below and it has all the links to my social media accounts, including Facebook, Reddit, Instagram, YouTube, TikTok and Patreon. I do make sure to read all my direct messages and answer them personally. So, if I see you on Instagram, Facebook, Reddit, YouTube, TikTok, Patreon, or anywhere else, just know that I really appreciate all the support. And remember, take care out there, and be aware, for the night is alive with a darkness that hungers for your soul. The mysteries of the unknown are like a siren's call, tempting you to explore the depths of the macabre. But be warned, dear listeners, for those who delve too deep may find themselves lost forever in a world of madness and terror. 
So as you step into the shadows, keep your eyes peeled and your mind open. For in this world of the inexplicable, there are no guarantees, except for one. When you tune into the next episode of Freakier Than Fiction, you'll be diving headfirst into the unknown. See you in the next episode.